You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So uh, as Mary Margaret mentioned, this is Compassion Month for us here at Vineyard Church. Uh, it's, it's our time each year that we really take time to focus on God's heart for the poor. Um, and it's, it's every year, the very bottom line is this, no matter what our theme is, here's the bottom line. God loves the poor. He loves the poor. And as his sons and daughters, as his children, as his family, he calls us to love the poor as well. And as, as we look in both the Old Testament, as we look throughout the, the New Testament and church history, we see over and over that care for the poor is an essential part of the worshiping life, worshiping life as prescribed in Scripture. Uh, and that's our, that's our guidepost. That's what we're looking to. Uh, our theme for Compassion Month, as we went over last Sunday as we kicked this off, is found in the book of Amos, one of the Old Testament prophets that, uh, that reminded Israel over and over that God is on the side of the poor, and he is actually against those who would seek to take advantage of them or in any way abuse them. Um, Amos delivers God's very clear message that he is so not impressed with religious activity for the sake of religious activity that is apart from uh, true kindness and true care, compassion and concern, specifically in courts and in the marketplace. And, and uh, I want to remind you of the passage that we looked over last week that is our theme for Compassion Month. It's Amos 5. Uh, I'm going to read verses 21 through 24. I would encourage you, read this whole, read the whole book, but definitely read this entire chapter, uh, Amos chapter 5. But God says this through the prophet Amos. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. I mean, he's not mincing words here, is he? Uh, even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-ending stream. Last week, we took some time to unpack these two themes of justice and righteousness that go together a lot throughout Scripture. Uh, we talked about justice being uh, this thing of actually seeking out vulnerable people, uh, people who are alienated, people who don't have power, people who are impoverished, and seeking them out, and they're being taken advantage of it, and we seek to, to find them and to help them. And uh, I would encourage you, go and listen to last week's message if you, if you didn't hear that. You can find it online uh, where we unpack this idea of justice even more along with righteousness because they're often paired together, justice and righteousness. And that idea of righteousness being right relationships between, between God and between people. Uh, treating each other, no matter what our income level, no matter what kind of status we have in society, that we treat each other as made in the image of God, because we all are. We are all made in the image of God. Now, God does not intend for justice and righteousness to merely be these noble concepts that we think about and ponder. It's like, 
yeah, mm, that's good. No, uh, he wants us to do that, certainly, but he wants us to do that in order that we could then actually activate justice and righteousness. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the idea of activating justice and righteousness in our everyday lives, because this is the heart of God the Father. This was the mission of Jesus the Son, and this is the empowering work of the Holy Spirit that he wants to do, not just in our pastors, not just in our leaders, not just in our adults, not just in our youth, not just in our kids. He wants to do this work in every single one of us. This is the work of the kingdom that God has invited every one of us, every one of his children to be, in part, uh, to be a part of. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning as we look uh, at Scripture and see the model of Christ and, and the, the call uh, to followers of Christ today to activate justice and righteousness. So, Holy Spirit, we have sensed your presence and we've welcomed your presence with our worship. We thank you for being here. And Lord, right now, we just open our hearts and our minds and our spirits, uh, everything that we are to you, and we ask that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would show us individually, as families, as a church, how you're calling us to, to activate justice and righteousness in our daily lives. Lord, thank you for the ways that you're inviting us into that. Thank you for the good fruit that's come from that. And Lord, we just we want more of you. We want more of your heart. We want more of your passion. Uh, so come, Holy Spirit, and do that in each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to live and act as bringers of God's justice to our unjust world. Uh, the Holy Spirit is one who empowers us. Uh, we are not called to do this mission of activating justice and righteousness in our own strength, but the Holy Spirit wants to come and will come and, and empower us to do that. And, and you know, the idea of us being involved in doing the ministry of Jesus which is a ministry of justice, a ministry of righteousness. Um, it, 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 it's, it's something that's very participatory. Most other religions uh, are not, don't give the emphasis that we are to be agents of, of, uh, of, of justice, as Christianity does. We are called uh, to be participants. We're not called to sit on the sidelines and let someone else take care of serving the poor and ministering to the poor. Jesus modeled this for us. He called his original disciples to do this, and now he has entrusted that work to each one of us. As followers of Jesus, we are part of God's plan to bring about justice to our unjust world. You know, back in the Old Testament, I referred to this last week, when God decided that he wanted to form a new kind of family, he raised up Abraham, and one of the initial um, commands that he gave him was, he said, I want you to teach this new family that I'm forming through you to keep the way of the Lord by not just thinking about or pondering righteousness and justice, but actually by doing righteousness and justice. And of course, when Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament, we see this so fleshed out in his life, literally and figuratively. Uh, he takes time to, to reach out 
to those who are minimalized and ostracized and, and really uh, have no standing in the culture of that day, particularly children and women. And not only did he elevate uh, the position of women, he actually included them. He reached out to Canaanite women, and he had interactions in the middle of the day in public with a Samaritan woman uh, who was in need. And then he not only ministered to the sick, but he actually touched them. He touched lepers, those who were ostracized, and that rendered Jesus unclean by the religious leaders who followed the letter of the law, but they completely missed the spirit of the law. Jesus gave, gives us a model that we should still follow today, that justice in God's kingdom, it still entails all these things of caring for the poor, for the sick, for the abused, and abandoned in our world today, and this needs to be our heart. This needs to be what we are engaged in doing. So I want to spend just a little time this morning talking about some very practical ways that you and I uh, and our church can, can be involved in activating justice and righteousness. Um, let, me, let me give a few of them. Time. That's, time is the great equalizer, isn't it? We all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We, we, we're all in sync on that. That's the great equalizer. So here's the deal. Um, in a busy world filled with so many distractions, so many messages that seek and buy for our attention, one of the ways that we can activate justice and righteousness in our lives is to actually intentionally invite God, invite the Holy Spirit to order and direct our schedules and our attention. Really. Uh, you know, I've got the same 24-7 you've got, but how do I use that? How do I choose to use that? Am I going to allow myself to be distracted? Am I going to let my priorities, my desires, be what sits on the throne of my schedule? Or am I going to invite God's rule and reign into my calendar? Um, there is so much vying for our attention but I want to encourage you, um, you know, because, because our focus gets, it's usually on myself. You know, nobody ever had to train me. My parents didn't have to give me classes on being selfish. I don't know about you. It came incredibly naturally to me. It still does, unfortunately, but that's God still doing that work in me uh, to, just, to just be selfish. But God is calling us out of our selfishness when in, in terms of our time and our energy our focus, our attention. And I got to tell you, every time that I say yes to what God's wanting to call me to, to take a step of faith and to maybe give some time and energy uh, and attention to something that is of his heart, my world gets so much richer and better. And just it, it's, there's just tremendous joy. Now, it can be very uncomfortable, it can be very uncomfortable. Uh, this is a call to sacrifice. This is a call to selflessness. And so, but, it, but it's good. It is so good. You know, when we choose to stay inside our safe, little, comfortable worlds, it is so easy for us to say, injustice? Really? Where? Where's injustice? I'm really comfortable in my, my little middle-class, comfortable world. You say there's injustice? I don't think so. Come on. But when we allow God to open up our eyes and to show us his heart and to maybe take us to some places that we normally wouldn't go and have interactions with people that we normally wouldn't have interactions with, some amazing things can happen. 
Our worlds can get much richer, much bigger. Uh, Over the years, uh, through regularly serving in our food pantry, I've had the chance to meet and have some interactions with a number of homeless families. And um, that's something that, you know, in in my very uh, middle-class world, you know, and my particular political views and social views and cultural views, it's very easy for me to stereotype and generalize, well, you know, if they're homeless, they've made a bunch of bad decisions, yeah, 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 okay? But I remember one time in particular, we were, I was serving in the food pantry, and I was serving this family that were living out of their car. It was a, a husband and wife and three kids, and they were living out of their car. They were actually living behind Steinmart in the woods over there where there was a homeless community. And it's like, wow, what's going on here? Um, and I talked to them and found out that they were, both the husband and the wife had a job. They lived uh, in a rent, they had a rental house, and they had just paid their rent, and then their house got condemned by the county within a matter of days, and they were thrown out with no options and then no recourse for getting their money back. Uh, because guess what? The, uh, uh, the county couldn't get in touch with the landlord, and neither could they at this point. And it's like, wow. And, not, and to make matters worse, Their three kids were all in elementary school. Guess what? Uh, It was the beginning of the school year, and the timing was such they no longer had an address, so they couldn't enroll in public school where they had been students already. It's like one injustice after the other. And it's like, whoa, that ain't right. I mean, that's just not. And when you sense that, there's part of, that's that God-shaped, you know, that God-shaped image in us, the image of God emerging itself in us to say, okay, God, that's not right. Yeah, that is wrong. What are you calling me to do about that? And, and, and it's a matter of, at that point, we as a church were able to say, verify, yeah, they had jobs that they were able to walk to from their house, and they had good uh, employment histories, but they had nobody to advocate for them. They didn't know people, and, and so we as a church, we got some of our people who had some good connections with the school board uh, to make some calls. We put them up in a hotel for a couple of weeks, uh, worked with the housing authority to help them find another house, and, and, and this is unfortunately not atypical. Um, one of the families that was being considered for our Compassion House, the same exact scenario. Fortunately, they were able to find another rental house and move into that. Um, and, but that's actually, that kind of injustice is what led our church to get involved with the Interfaith Hospitality Network, which became Family Promise of Augusta, which is a local uh, agency, a local chapter of a national agency that, that works to get homeless families stabilized in terms of housing. And, uh, and that's just, that's, that's what got our heart in that. And right now we've got our first family, a, a single mom with five kids, one in college, one in high school, one in elementary school, and two in preschool. And so thankful that we're able to help them. Uh, a letter that, that this family sent to the church, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to be here if it wasn't for you, Vineyard Church. We went from sleeping in hotels and at other people's homes to a nice, beautiful home. Uh, she writes that I have lost so much weight from stress and simply not being able to cook uh, a meal for my family, but because of you, I'm able to do that. My family and I are so grateful for you and for what you've done for our family. It's about giving time. Yeah, you did that. You did that. 
So uh, that's, that's taking time. I, you know, I think of, of, of people like uh, one of my dear friends, Phil Lewis. Phil, Phil is one of our advisory team members. He is a, a small group leader. He is one of our VKids volunteers. Uh, and a lot of times on the weekend, Phil is in jail. <laughs> Serving prisoners there. Uh, he's not like an Otis from the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Um, but no, uh, Phil, I, I love talking to Phil. You want to see what just makes him come alive is to, to talk to him after one of his weekends working with Kairos Ministries. Uh, it's a priority for him. He's part of the leadership team for Kairos. Uh, he works with them. And I, I so enjoy, um, you know, Phil and I are close to the same age. I'm sure he's much older than I am. But anyway, a little bit. But we have a lot of the same interests. He's a great guy. And I love talking to Phil just about how his ministry and the interactions that he's having with the prisoners there, it just, it's a whole new world. And it's a, an enriching experience. And I, and I love talking to Phil about that. And God is using Phil and the Kairos team in some amazing ways. And I just thank uh, Phil. And he's an example to me and so many others of, of really giving God access to uh, his schedule and to his attention. Phil's got a very, very full-time job. He's very involved in the life of the leadership of our church. He has a wonderful family that he's very involved with as well. But God, he just gives God that time, and God blesses his time. And, and he's a great example of that, of how to activate justice and righteousness in our schedules and with our attention. Another way that we can activate justice and righteousness is by honoring God in our finances, by giving money and resources to the poor. In Matthew 6, Jesus speaks specifically about practicing our righteousness. And he's talking about the, the covenant behavior of Israel and their, their prayer, their giving to the poor, their fasting, uh, and how this is very much a, a sense of obligation, being part of the family, um, a responsibility to God. And in, in this particular passage in Matthew 6, Jesus speaks specifically about how we should go about giving to the poor. He says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be fully honored by others. I truly tell, truly I tell you, uh, they have received their reward in full. And so, you know, we're asking everybody here at Vineyard Church of Augusta, if you're part of our church family in this Compassion Month, we're asking everybody here to give toward our Compassion Fund. Our goal is 100% participation. It's not a specific dollar amount. It's 100% participation that will help pay for both our local and our global outreach in ministry and serving the poor. From everything from our storehouse food pantry, uh, which is growing and growing and serving more and more families, as Mary Margaret mentioned, uh, to our ongoing support of remote uh, medical villages, medical clinics and villages, and, and schools and mountains in Haiti that we support and have helped start over the years. And this is a gift that we're asking to be over and above your regular tithes and offerings. Um, God's word says specifically that we are to give 10% of our income 
to, um, to the local church, uh, specifically in Malachi, another prophet of God, uh, God lays out this, this offer. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is the invitation and the encouragement that God's word provides us in, in, in giving faithfully our tithes and offerings. And so we're, we're asking the compassion offering, uh, which our brochure details all the way those funds were, are, were spent in 2022. We're asking you to give an offering over and above regular tithes and offerings. But I, I do want to take a moment, because it's been a long time since I've addressed this, of the importance of, of regular tithes and offerings. It's, it's a tangible expression of, uh, of our worship. And know this, God loves you whether you give a dime or whether you give absolutely nothing. God's love for us doesn't change based on what we give or what we don't give. God's love is based on his character. It's who he is. Our behavior does not in any way affect God's uh, feelings toward us, his sentiment toward us, his love for us. Uh, it doesn't change it at all. God, if I give, if I tithe, if I, if I give more than a tithe, God loves me. Uh, if I don't give anything, he loves me the same. That doesn't change that. But when we are obedient to God's word and when we choose to live our life, to do our life God's way, the way that his word invites us, instructs us, and encourages us to, God also promises to bless us. And I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that in your life as a church family. I've seen that over and over. And we don't get to dictate how he blesses us and when he blesses us. Uh, we don't get to dictate that. You know, I, I, I didn't get a vision or a dream about the Powerball numbers a few weeks ago. It's like, uh, yeah, what's up with that? So, um, but we can always know that God's gonna, he's always loving, he's always good, and his blessings are reflective of that. You know, and, and, and I think back on the ways that God blesses me and, you know, it, 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 it's random. It's like, okay, God, um, we've been, we've been, Mary Margaret and I have been driving a lot lately. We've been going all over the state and the region for various things. And um, her car has over 230,000 miles on it. And it drives just as good and as comfortably as it did the day we bought it uh, probably 11 years ago, 10 years ago. And it's like, thank you, God. We've just done basic maintenance on this thing. And it's still got us going strong. And it's an incredibly nice car. And, and, and I'm thinking in terms of just the blessings of God in, in, in all kinds of ways. One, one story this week in particular, our middle daughter is studying in Europe. She's doing a semester abroad uh, as part of her program at the University of Georgia. Go dogs! yes. So uh, anyway, um, but she, uh, we're, you know, she's having a great semester there. We're looking forward to getting her home for Christmas. She finds out her last exam is December 23rd. Like, seriously? It's like, all right. So we had just purchased her ticket a couple of weeks ago for her to come home on December 24th. She's going to be home for Christmas, so that's awesome. And then about three or four days after we purchased her tickets, her professor says, hey, we're going to move the exam to the 19th. 
It's like, all right, so, okay. So uh, I called Delta. I'm a Delta loyal SkyMiles person. I purchased the tickets with our SkyMiles. Man, flights are expensive. Anyway, uh, we had used up practically all of our SkyMiles to get her home. So I go call to change her reservation. I get to the first person. Uh, Mr. Roy, no problem. Uh, we'll get you over to International. We'll take care of it, and you're good to go. So they send me over to International. And very quickly, they tell me, Mr. Leroy, I'm so sorry. Uh, you don't have enough points to make that change. And because it was purchased with SkyMiles, Sky you will have to make it, pay for any changes with SkyMiles, and you don't have enough. And it was going to basically be that we either waste our SkyMiles and then have to buy another complete ticket with cash, which was like, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. And it's like, all right, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's three, three more days, and, but she'll be home for Christmas. That's good. So this past Monday, I don't know, I just felt like, you know what? I'm going to try again. And sure enough, I called. The first person's like, yeah, no problem, Mr. Leroy. We'll get you right over to International, and we'll get that squared away for you. And then they uh, sent me over to International. The same thing happened. Uh, Mr. Leroy, you don't have enough SkyMiles to make that change, but let me see what I can do for you. <laughs> Ten minutes later, We've got that changed. Uh, she's coming home on the 21st, and uh, no extra charge. Yeah, thank you, God. And it's like, well, that was just coincidence. It's all in who you got. It's like, no, I love coincidences when you are seeking to honor God in your life. I'll take those coincidences any, any day. I am not perfect in that arena, but I endeavor, we as a couple, Endeavor to do that, and we've just seen God just show up in some of the coolest ways, unexpected ways. And that doesn't mean there aren't still challenges. I mean, we got kids in college and got two next year in college. Uh, and, and so I know the challenges, but God is good. He is faithful. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our money, but in his wisdom, he has chosen to use the financial resources that he's entrusted to us. He's, he's opted, he has chosen to use those in the advancement of his kingdom here on earth. That's God's plan. In the building of his church, in the activating of justice and righteousness as we serve and as we care for the poor. So, so Vineyard Church of Augusta, let justice roll, let righteousness flow like an endless stream. Uh, and let's activate righteousness and justice as, as a church. Um, we are going to receive our offering next Sunday that funds our ministry to and with the poor for this upcoming year. My encouragement, again, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit what you are to give. And I also want to say, if maybe currently you're not giving regularly here and you're part of our church family, I want to invite you uh, to, to, to do that. Maybe you've never given. Maybe make that first step of, of, of giving something. Or maybe you give from time to time. Maybe that next step for you is giving regularly. Maybe you give regularly, but it's, but it's not a tithe, the 10% of your income. I want to just encourage you and invite you, just as God's word does, to, to trust him and, and to make that step, to honor God uh, in your finances. Uh, trust him with that. Trust him uh, and give to the, to the church and give to the poor. The last thing I want to mention this morning is another way that Amos specifically speaks about earlier in chapter 5, about using our voice 
and using our influence on behalf of the poor and the powerless. Uh, earlier in chapter 5, it's, there's somewhat of a, a peculiar verse. Um, and again, throughout this chapter, Amos is talking about how uh, Israel, God is so upset and he's so frustrated with Israel because they're coming with their worship, but it is so missing his heart. It is not uh, an authentic uh, expression that carries integrity, the integrity that God is calling, particularly as they mistreat the poor and the powerless as they come to bring their sacrifices. So earlier in that same chapter, God speaking through Amos says this, there are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for the times are evil. Now, Amos was a prophet of God, but he was also a very real person. And I can't help but believe that maybe he was a little snarky, a little sarcastic. I mean, can you be a follower of Jesus and snarky and sarcastic? I hope so. <laughs> My house hopes so. Yes. Basically, I think what Amos was doing is he was addressing crowd speak. Crowd speak, crowd think. Going with the flow. He was, he was going against the tide. He was saying basically, hey, you know what? It's an evil age, so if you want to be prudent, you need to just sort of go along with it and not speak up after it. But, he's, but basically, for those who have no voice and for those who have no power, God is saying we need to be willing to speak up, to speak up, to speak out, to address issues that may make us unpopular, uh, that may be against the tide of our culture, that may be against the tide of our family group, or even close friends. Uh, God's called us to be influencers long before social media came around, guys. He's called us to be influencers for his kingdom, to be a voice for those who have none. It's about letting justice roll and righteousness flow like that endless stream, a life of sacrifice, a life of selflessness. And God's calling us to do that. Maybe for you, it's about being willing to know someone who needs a job and you know somebody who um, is hiring and you to be willing to put your, your neck out there to say, you know what, I, I, I don't know their job history, but they need a job, they're a good person, and would you consider them? They, they've got some challenges in their lives, but would you consider hiring them? Would you consider doing that? To take the time, the energy, uh, to use your influence, your connections on behalf of the poor. I believe that everything that we have whether it's our money, our health, our talents, our abilities, they are gifts from God. They're gifts from God. They are entrusted to us. We're entrusted and called to be good stewards with whatever he's given us. And so I would say this, if you've got influence, if you've got connections with people, are you only using them for yourself? Or have you ever asked, how might I use these to advance the kingdom of God and the priorities and the objectives of the kingdom of God. 
We're called to activate justice and righteousness, not just to think about them, not just to study them. It's like just completely went blank, all right? Just completely. 57, all right, all right. <laughs> James, the brother of Jesus, all right? I knew it was a J, and I knew it was four letters. Well, James is five, isn't it? So I'm really messing up here. <laughs> James, the brother of Jesus, I referred to him last week. He talks about pure religion. What is it? It's caring for the poor and, and, and the widows and the orphanage uh, orphans, and it's keeping yourself pure. He also has something very rich to say about uh, the fact that we are not just to, to know Scripture, to read Scripture, but we're actually to do it, to live it. And so on um, this thing of activating justice and righteousness in our own lives, where is God calling you to obedience? Where is he calling you to trust him, uh, to trust his good and loving ways, to trust him about, God, I, this may be a risk for me to, to speak up about this matter at work, or it may, be, uh, this not, it may not be the best idea for me to speak up about this in, in, in my you know, local government meeting. But God, how would you want me to use my voice? How would you want me to use my time and energy and attention? How are you calling me to use the resources that you've entrusted to me? It's all about obedience, guys. And I want to end with this. Obedience to God is our fundamental expression of worship. We sing songs. Songs are wonderful. I love songs. I love music. I love the musical expression of worship. I love that. I'm thankful for that. Obedience to God though, is fundamental. It happens even before our songs or our tithes. It's about being obedient. Obedience to God, our fundamental expression of worship, and that welcomes his presence into every part of our lives. It welcomes his manifest presence in our lives, and that is the ultimate. That is the ultimate blessing, knowing that, God, you are with me. Everything else can go to just squat, but you are with me. You are with me. Uh, just the last two and a half years that we've gone through, uh, just knowing that God is with us and how he's gotten us through the craziness of COVID and all the stuff that's happened, just to reflect on that, God, your presence, your abiding presence, we don't know what's going to happen, but God, we know that you are with us, that you are our protector, that you provide for us, that you are going to be everything we need.